Welcome to Free Christian Church's Audio Outreach Ministries. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, visit our website at freechristian.church to find links to our weekly podcast and past messages. Or you may contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103. And now, here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. Amen. Isaiah 40. Starting verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for your word uh, and, and just the timing of it, Lord. Pray that our ears are attentive, God, that we can drown out the situations of life for a moment so that we can hear your voice speaking into the situations that we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start today by reassuring you that these words that we just read are just as true today as they were the day they were written. All right, I'm glad you're with me there. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. I read a story about Winston Churchill, who during a time of trouble and opposition in his life, he had actually just lost the election of prime minister after leading his country through a time of war. He was approached by his wife, Clementine, who tried to cheer him up by saying this defeat might be a blessing in disguise. And Churchill replied, at the moment it seems quite effectively disguised. Have you ever been there? There are many in the church at this very moment that are facing difficult times. Facing giant things that seem uncertain to them and you're waiting and you are wondering how your story is now going to unfold. You know the words of Romans 8.28 by heart that all things will work together for your good but there seems to be a disconnect between your head and your heart, right? You wonder... How can this be true for me? You can't see the path forward and you lose hope in a future. The good seems to be, as Churchill said, quite effectively disguised. 
And I'm preaching God's word today to tell you, the Lord will renew your strength. The Lord will renew your strength. In verse 27, we actually start out here with Israel's complaint, their unbelief and their mistrust of what they say is, my God, right? The words are a sigh for deliverance from Babylonian captivity. It's been a long and miserable plot, and in their disdain, they cry out, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. What they're asking is, God, where have you been? Don't you see our condition down here? What are you waiting on? We're like dry bones in a grave. They know the Messiah's coming, but he's just not coming soon enough, right? How many times have we been there? Don't we hate to wait? Don't we hate to wait? I am super impatient, (laughs) like bad, really bad. It's hard for me to wait for the prayer song to be over to start preaching. I get that impatient. I wish I could preach first. But the other day, uh, I did the unthinkable. We were waiting to go somewhere, and everyone was in the car but my wife. And guess what I did? I honked the horn. I know, and I know better. I've done this before. It doesn't work out. But I told the kids when I honked the horn, I'm like, here's what mom's going to say. She's going to get in this car, and she's going to say, that don't help. In fact, it makes me go slower. That's what you said, right? And so after three or four honks, I don't know, it was obnoxious. It was obnoxious. She gets in the car, she sits down and says, you know that don't make me go any faster. In fact, it makes me slow down. And I turned to the kids, gave them a nod, and it was a silent ride to wherever we went. (laughs) No, but I'm so impatient. Like, I'll put a minute in the microwave, you know, put a minute on it, hit start, and cannot wait the whole minute. Like 57 seconds is enough, right? That stoplights, when that is green, you better go. That's why it's green. And then, this is, this is my biggest pet peeve with traffic, the green arrow, close the gap. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It is the goal of mankind to see how many people we can get through the green arrow. You're with me. It's why you go to church here. So we're family. We're all the same. That's how I pray for my family. Pray for my family. I always say, I always say, I prayed for patience and the Lord gave me a wife. So I prayed for more patience and he gave me two daughters. So I stopped praying for patience. <laughs> oh my goodness. doesn't take long for us to realize in life that God typically has a different plan than we do. 
a different plan for us, a different path for us. And in order for God's plan to work out, it takes patience. And I have none. It's a problem. I'm preaching myself right now if you haven't caught on to that. But the words of the prophet here are meant to encourage Israel, meant to encourage us in, in what we should do in the meantime, while we wait. They were waiting on the Messiah to come, and we are waiting on the Messiah to come again, right? So we have a lot in common, really. But I like how the prophet begins to address God's people here. He, he recognizes their question. He's heard them out, but he does not certify them, right? He said, I've heard you, but I will not affirm you. Sometimes we just want people to listen and not correct us. Not the prophet. Sometimes we talk like God has an attention deficit disorder. Like we need to remind him of things like that we're down here. As if God can't handle all of creation and us. Sometimes we just need to be told though, don't we? Sometimes we just need someone to grab both sides of our cheeks and pull us out of our pity party and remind us of some things that have been true since before the beginning of time. And the prophet says in verse 28, Have you not known? Have you not heard? This is a rhetorical question, by the way. And it is in an argumentative tone. He's got their attention. He's actually making a very clear statement by asking this question. He didn't gently sit them down to teach them something new. The prophet didn't say, I've got a new revelation that I want you to hear today. He didn't gently sit them down to teach them this. He's reminding them of something they already know. He's telling the people, you know better than to talk like this. You know these things. You've heard these things. They've been proven to you in the past. You've lived this. You've seen this. It is the testimony of God's people. You see, no other people on earth would have had the well of riches to draw from like Israel had, like God's people has. God was faithful to them. He had delivered them. He'd shown up right on time every time. Who were they to question his presence and his care? I want you to look at your own life for a minute. Check the rearview mirror and consider all the things that should have killed you. The things that should have been your end, and here you are on the other side of those. Have you not known? 
Have you not heard? I'm not here today to tell anybody something they don't already know or something of him that they have never seen before. I'm just reminding you, you already know this. You don't need a new word from the Lord. You need an old word from the Lord. The tried, trusted, and true word of the Lord. And he reminds us, the Lord is the everlasting God. That means he's God for the long haul. Nothing will knock him off his throne. He was God before your problem. He'll be God in your problem, through your problem, and God after your problem. From the place of your birth to the place of your grave, he is there and he is in control, period. You will not be the first person in history to slip through his fingers. God's never said, whoops, or no, <laughs> he is the everlasting God. That means in the courtroom, that means in the hospital, the clinic, the graveside, the public school, the private school, the prison cell, your best day or your worst day, God's in charge. He's in charge of it all. I want to remind you that he instructed Noah to build a boat for the flood. He's the God that showed up in the fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For Daniel, he kept the mouths of the lions shut in the den. He walked on the water in the storm. And I remind you, he showed up four days after Lazarus was dead. I mean like good and dead. You can't get more dead than Lazarus was. But his timing was still perfect. Inconvenient, yes. But on time, absolutely. God was still and is still the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. In fact, when you, when you examine Scripture in the timing of God, you see that our problems are always a prelude to a greater revealing of His presence. We don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. The creator of the ends of the earth. Not just the beginning, but the ends. And one thing you, you discover is that the creator is always greater than the thing he created. Right? I want to reference back to Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 14 here. It shows the bigness of God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Who did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Well, no one. Because he's God. 
He's the God who created the world. He's the God who sustains the world. He's the God who determined the number of stars and calls them by name. And he is in no way capable of forgetting his people because he's greater and he's the creator. Have you not known? Have you not heard? But in this scripture, we, we, we talk about all the things that God can do, all the things that God is capable of doing and in control of doing, and then, then the prophet says, but I'm going to tell you something God cannot do. He can't get tired. He can't faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. How many times we tell God, you just don't understand. If you understood, it would be different. You would do it like I want you to. Through all he does, all he sustains, and all he controls, he never grows weary. You may be, in fact you will, but his power cannot be exhausted and his wisdom is infinite. That's encouraging. Science cannot explain God. Science cannot explain God away. The most skilled doctors and nurses cannot outperform God. Politicians and military generals cannot outmaneuver God. Disease cannot hide from God. Job 11, 7 through 9 says, Can you find the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. You know what his understanding is unsearchable tells me? He's already got it figured out. He's already got it figured out. And here's what I love. Man, I was, I've been so excited to preach this since Tuesday. And I just waited and waited and none of you showed up till today. It was just hard, just hard on me. But I couldn't wait to get to this next couple parts of the sermon. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, none. No, not some might or little might. It says no might. He increases strength. I think some of you need to hear this. This God, our everlasting God with unending power and unlimited strength does not hoard his power. He is generous with his power. He gives it to those who are faint and have no might and admit it. Praise God, you qualify. Right? Your dire situation that has left you speechless, that which has wrung you out like a wet rag that has stolen your sleep has qualified you for a dose of his strength and might. 
your current circumstances the application to experience his power and might upon your life for it to become a living testimony of his power to yourself and to others and your application has been approved. Now ask yourself this, situ- uh, this question. Would you trade that away? Would you trade the opportunity to experience his presence and his power and his might away for things to seem better? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Verse 30. I'm learning, I'm learning this, this one here because I'm not, I'm not a youth anymore. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. And I put this verse to the test last week during basketball, and uh, that's where I realized I, I'm not a youth, but the youth did not faint or grow weary, at least for t- two hours, but eventually they do. What happens here is things are being weighed out on scale for us, and really... It's, it's unmeasurable. It's so one-sided that it breaks the scale. Um, so the question is, where will you put your hope? Where are you going to put your hope, in man or in God? Are you going to put your hope in doctors, in technology, in riches, in your youth? Now, none of those things are wrong in and of themselves, right? Doctors are great, Technology can be beneficial. Youth is helpful, but let's admit it, for most of us, that's expired. Anything that is brought forth from man has limits. Anything. Money runs out. Youth get tired. Technology has its end. A doctor's mind can only comprehend so much. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. And here's the other side of the scale. But they who wait for the Lord, (laughs) there's that word, shall renew their strength. Listen, if God is all you got, God is all you need. You can have everything in this world and have God and you can just have God and you still got enough. I've learned something on the word wait this week because it couldn't mean to just be patient, right? Just couldn't. I had to find a way to get out of this waiting. (laughs) This wait isn't a sitting idle type of wait. We can be really tempted to stop everything when unexpected news comes, right? Or when tragedy strikes, and and that is not what this is saying. That would actually be a terrible decision to just sit there. We must wait in a sense of expecting. It is a wait of expectation. To wait is to hope. 
to wait is to trust in him, to have full confidence in him. It is a faithful obedience type of wait. So it doesn't imply laziness or inactivity or slothfulness. In fact, it is the opposite of inactivity. It involves a preaching to your own soul. A pursuit of he who is our hope through our trials. A pursuit of knowing the sovereign God deeper. It's a worshiping type of weight. An admitting our own weakness type of weight because when I am weak, he is strong. And I see many people in, in situations where things get tough, they become like a farmer who does not plant nor work the field. And they'll sit there and pray that the Lord will plant seeds and, grow, and do all the work. But this type of waiting implies that we will do what we should do, knowing that God will do what God does. We work while we wait. We serve while we wait. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This, this, this is cool. It's kind of countercultural. Uh, for us. The word, the word renew here means to exchange. So it's, like, it's like changing clothes. So we, we exchange our weakness and we gain his strength. It's just not really a fair deal there, is it? But we become curious. What kind of, what kind of strength is this going to give us, right? And this is where it's kind of backwards from how we naturally think, backwards of how we are trained and, and, and uh, given visions of to, to think and to pursue things. We typically are goal-oriented people, right? We like to work towards a goal. We like to uh, end on the mountaintop. It has to be a climb that ends at this, this pinnacle of life. We're always looking for that mountaintop, wanting to enjoy the ascension that life naturally is. But I don't know if you ever noticed this before. What the prophet does here is he doesn't take us on an ascent. He actually takes us on a descent, now who am I talking to, right? Hey, that's my life. It's been downhill ever since. Preaching to somebody. Notice the order. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See what's happening here? Don't be disappointed in the descent because that's the goal. Now, I want you mm, more experienced people at life to pay attention here. This is actually progress through descent. Now I got you, don't I? If we were to write this scripture, we would write it backwards. We would write it progress by ascent. And that's why many people get discouraged as they age. You just lower the pinnacle, right? 
But that's not how our good God does it. It's not how he works. Isaiah tells us that we are working towards the walking. It is the goal of the Christian life to finish walking. Many people, young in their faith, they lose that flight and they become discouraged. I mean, we like it when we're just saved. We, we love to think about the things that instantly overcome in our life, the overcoming of sin, the overcoming of death in hell. It all loses its grip on us automatically, and we are soaring when we are saved, right? There's nothing like that time. I love to be around new believers who are just hungry for the word, right? They can't take enough of it in. Everything just kind of seems to work itself out there for a bit. It's easy to soar, right? It's easy to soar. All you got to do is spread your wings, and the wind does the work. We love to soar. We love the idea of soaring above all of our troubles in life. But that's not what's best for us. If we're honest, we would wish the whole Christian life to just be soaring. But it isn't. It isn't. So we can become discouraged when, when trouble comes that we can't soar above and we might begin to lose our faith a little bit. Sometimes people even think they've lost their salvation because life just gets hard, right? Feel like the Lord doesn't care or doesn't see them since we're no longer flying high in the sky. So there are some things in life that, that the Lord allows us to soar over, but sometimes it's a sickness that you have to run through or a job that you have to run through or a prodigal child that you have to run through. And it's not like a sprint. We can handle a sprint. This is more like a marathon. It's more like a marathon runner. But this is the time where God can show you just how big he is. He can and he will lift you up into the sky sometimes and let you soar, but sometimes he will pluck you out of the sky and put running shoes on you. And we don't like that at all, do we? We don't like that at all. But it's there that you see he is God in both the highs and the lows. It don't take a lot of strength and stamina to soar, but it does to run. It does to run. So he'll use these circumstances of life to wear you down and to show you a power and strength like you've never seen before. Again, if we write this, we write it backwards. We want to walk, run, and soar. We want to preach and teach this backwards because at the end of the day, we all just want to soar above everything. The goal, though, is the end, not the beginning. The goal is that we learn to walk. 
Enoch didn't soar with God until he was not. He walked with God until he was not. God didn't mount up the Israelites on wings like eagles to get them over the Red Sea. He made them walk through it. They didn't soar over Jericho's walls. They had to march around them. The psalmist had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen to me, don't dread the path that lays before you. Praise God that it's a walking path. So when you wake up tomorrow, hoping in the Lord, trusting in His promises, continuing in your obedience to His commandments, He will give you strength. Expect it. Wait on him. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I've learned just growing up in the church that there is always more cattle on the hills. There is always more grace in the tank. There is always more strength in God's mighty, sovereign hand. And if you have God, you have more than enough. He rarely gives strength before it's needed. Because let's be honest, if we had strength walking into these troubles, people wouldn't be able to stand us. Wouldn't we be so arrogant and cocky with that? So he lets us come to nothing. So it's not our glory, but it's his so it doesn't look like our strength, but his. So it doesn't look like our might, but his. He's seldom early, but he's never been late. Never not once, and you won't be the first. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to, so and to walk humbly with your God? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the eternal hope that we have in you. Uh, God, the strength of your mighty hand, uh, the control that you always have and never lose. And God, I pray that you would encourage your church today by grabbing us by both sides of our face and pulling us close and asking us, have you not heard? Have you not known 
God, might we consider all of the things in life that you have pulled us out of, that you have pulled our loved ones out of, where we have read the stories in the Bible, know your promises, stood on your promises. Why would we ever think that this is the one time you will lose control? And God, might we be encouraged to stand firm in faith. Not that you might work this together for our good, that you already have because you're not bound by time you're not controlled by time and you are never powerless so God might we trust the path in front of us because it is a walking path and it is a path where the promise remains true that you will never leave us nor forsake us in Jesus name Amen We hope that you have enjoyed today's message from Free Christian Church in Continental Ohio. And we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this, or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at freechristian.church. This has been a Free Christian Church Audio Outreach Ministries production.